Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. And my gosh, there is a ton of news happening at this very moment. Some breaking news. A man has showed up at Brett Kavanaugh's house attempting to assassinate the Justice of the United States Supreme Court. Happened last night. The news is coming out now. Uh, The man is an abortion rights activist and wanted to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, That's actually the bigger story than Chisa Budin being booted out in San Francisco. But first... There's bigger news. At the bottom of this hour, I'm leaving you. Only for a little while, I hope. So I got the onion ring recipe coming out in about an hour. You can text recipe for th- to 33777. My kids wanted them again for supper tonight. So before the show, I needed to get the onions prepped. And, well, I managed to cut off my thumb, uh, part of it at least. Uh, I'm still bleeding. I'm on blood thinner. So I have to go get everything sutured up here in just a few minutes but I, they didn't have time to get me in until twelve forty-five. i got the bleeding mostly contained so i could at least get the breaking news with you guys and do it live as opposed to having to give you a best of when there's a big breaking news story but yeah there's blood all over my hand and it's dripping so i'm gonna go here in a minute and take care of my thumb but first i love you guys i want to take they couldn't get me in anyway don't worry about it it's like five minutes from the house i'll be fine it's not a ton of blood just a little but now to the news But I need you to know why you're going to be hearing something. You thought I already heard this. Yeah, you already did. It's kind of an emergency. Um, (laughs) It was an accident. When you're doing a mandolin grater, yeah, be sure to hold on tight to the little thingy that you're sliding. Otherwise, your thumb slips and, well, (laughs) you find it with the onion. Um, So with the Supreme Court, uh, Brett Kavanaugh, a man showed up at his house last night intending to kill him. Uh, This comes uh, after a uh, abortion rights activist in Buffalo, New York, firebombed a uh, pregnancy center there that's run by a church in Washington, D.C. They vandalized one as well. This comes after Chuck Schumer's very famous little line. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh. You have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. That was Chuck Schumer from just a couple of months ago, from from March 21st. Now you've had protesters at the justices' houses and a man last night uh, looking to kill Brett Kavanaugh, the United States Supreme Court. By the way, the Senate unanimously passed a security measure to beef up security for members of the Supreme Court. And uh, the House of Representatives has refused to follow through with it. The House has refused to provide security for the families of Supreme Court justices. Maybe they will now. The White House has said nothing. The White House, of course, was encouraging the protests against the Supreme Court. We will see if they're willing to change their tune now on this. Uh, The story is developing. Again, if you're just tuning in, a man last night, a pro-abortion activist, attended to... um, attended uh, uh, to kill Brett Kavanaugh. What's so interesting now is here's the live CNN coverage. They're both citing this. Uh, very little detail at this point, Kate, other than to say uh, it's an, uh, this man is, uh, he's an adult man from California. We don't yet know what the nature of the threat was. We don't know what language the threat was uh, or what kind of weapon this man might have had, uh, if he had one at all, uh, because the information at this point uh, is just so thin. But Kate, this, this, 
certainly contributes to this overall threat landscape we've been talking a lot about. The major concern here with this abortion ruling from federal officials, and they've been sounding the alarm, alarm on this for about a month, is that Supreme Court justices will certainly be, you know, potentially targeted by violent extremists who are angered over this pending ruling that is poised to strike down Roe v. Wade. This is an extremely passionate issue. There are emotions on both sides. Federal officials have made clear over and over they believe the risk truly comes from both sides of this abortion debate. Uh, it comes from both sides. Well, it's one side showed up in Capitol. By the way, uh, federal authorities say he had a gun. Uh, this is from the Washington Post, a, a uh, man with at least one weapon. Okay, I shouldn't say gun. His one weapon uh, is in custody. To people familiar with the investigation of the leak, uh, indicate or with the initial investigation indicates the man was angry about Roe v. Wade uh, and angry about uh, mass shootings. He did not make it onto Brett Kavanaugh's property, but looked suspicious and was stopped on a nearby street street and confessed he was going to kill the supreme court justice there you have it there you have it um and the white house of course has has sided with the protesters and told them that they should get loud uh members of congress have told them uh they should do what they need to do to uh stop the supreme court from doing this um uh, nina totenberg reporting from a source close to the justices says that the clerks um, the Supreme Court themselves are terrified. Um, and clerks are also upset about the leak situation there. Now, we got to move on. That's all I know about the story. It's a developing story. Stick with your local radio station, wherever you might be. Uh, the top of the hour news will be updating the story as it comes uh, forward. Uh, I also now want to move forward with the Los Angeles and San Francisco story because that's was going to be the big story of the day. If you subscribe to the show notes, if you text, uh, show to 33777. You can get the show notes. Email comes out right as the show starts with all the links. And, um, well, I didn't get it all done today because minus a thumb, but. Uh, the story that was going to be the big story is Chisa Budin has been booted from the San Francisco District Attorney's Office. Uh, he's too progressive, even for the progressives of California. Now, what's remarkable about this, you know, we talk about grooming kids. There's been a lot of talk about grooming kids. And the left denies this. There's nobody's grooming kids. You can't groom kids. I, did you know Chisa Bowden's? background his parents were terrorists i'm not making this up the san francisco district attorney's parents were terrorists specifically cop killers they killed police they went to prison for decades for assisting in the planning of murdering police officers chisa their son was a baby do you know who they left him with? The terrorists who went to jail left Chisa Bowden with another terrorist you might have heard of, Bill Ayers of the Weather Underground, also a terrorist, the man who loved Barack Obama. And Chisa Bowden grew up in a radical household of terrorists. His parents were cop killers, and he grew up to be run for district attorney. He was a public defender, ran for district attorney, 
uh, determined using George Soros's money to upend the American judicial system. His whole idea was to stop prosecuting crimes in San Francisco based on racial statistics. Murders in San Francisco, you should know, have actually gone down. Uh, and when you listen to a lot of progressives, they say, look, the murder rate is higher in Republican areas of the country. Clearly, the Republicans are just driving this narrative, and it's not true. Except what they miss is that the problem with Chisa Boone was not about murders in San Francisco. The problem was all the other quality of life issues that he turned a blind eye to. Stores going out of business because of the rampant shoplifting. Vagrants uh, roaming the streets, using the bathroom on the streets, uh, heroin addicts uh, shooting up on the street, leaving their noodle needles on the ground for people to step on. Uh, the massive homelessness problem and the crimes related to that. Burglaries are up. Assaults are up. Uh, home invasions are up. Car break-ins are up. It's gotten so bad in San Francisco that San Francisco residents now leave their cars unlocked so that the burglars don't smash the windows. They, they just... Oh, open the car doors and take out what they want if people leave stuff in the cars. People in San Francisco even now have trunk straps where they leave the trunks of their cars open so they're not pried open so that people can get in there to see if there's anything there they want. That's how bad it's gotten in San Francisco. This is a quality of life issue. This started with the school board in San Francisco where the wokes recalled the super wokes. It's not like they replaced the San Francisco school board members with conservatives or even moderates. They're still hyper-progressives. They're just not as hyper-progressive. Absolutely fascinating. Um, absolutely fascinating that uh, the progressives in California have had enough of the hyper-progressives. And so not only that, in Los Angeles, Rick Caruso, who I told you about yesterday, he's made it into the runoff with Karen Bass. Rick Caruso is a Republican turned Democrat. He ran as a Republican last time for mayor and lost. He's run as a Democrat this time, and he's got the backing of a lot of, among others, Hollywood celebrities who are tired of the crime in Los Angeles and in Hollywood. They're moving not to the right, but to the center left on law and order issues. These people have not suddenly become conservative. Now, the problem for the Democrats is that within their echo chamber, there's not really enough people willing to tell them the truth. I want you to consider, for example, this piece by Paul Waldman. Paul Waldman is a columnist for the Washington Post. Here is his headline. On crime and the economy, Republicans dictate the media narrative. Democrats tend to think of Republicans as messaging wizards, able to conjure controversies out of thin air and manipulate voters' minds. While the GOP's powers of mesmerism are dramatically overstated, there are moments when they seem to easily persuade big news organizations to repeat their preferred narratives after which public opinion follows along. This is playing out on two important issues, crime and the economy. Start with crime. Whenever something bad happens, such as an increase in homicides, the media tells us it's happening and also how to understand it, why it happened, what it means, who might be to blame. As you probably know, homicides significantly increased when the pandemic began. Here are a few representative figures. In Jacksonville, Florida, there were 131 murders in 2019, which rose to 144 in 2020, then fell to 109 in 2021. 
In Fort Worth, there were 71 murders in 2019, which surged to 115 in 2020 and 118 in 2021, the highest the city has experienced in decades. I chose those two cities because they have about the same population of San Francisco, though Jacksonville and Fort Worth both have Republican mayors and Republican chief prosecutors. Yet they have many more murders than San Francisco, which recorded 41 in 2019, 48 in 2020, and 56 in 2021. If you don't recall the national media headlines reading tough on crime, Republican prosecutors on defense over crime increase, that's because there's no such coverage. However, There have been stories like this one in the Wall Street Journal, progressive prosecutor movement tested by rising crime and angry voters. The main subject of this and many others is San Francisco District Attorney Chisa Budin, who faces a well-funded recall. He was elected in 2019 and, like his Republican counterparts, hasn't brought down homicide. And he goes on to say, essentially, this is a false narrative that Chisa Boone's actually done a very good job in San Francisco. If you've been to San Francisco, and I've got friends who are from San Francisco who have left San Francisco, San Francisco has become a third world hellhole. There is literally human feces on the streets. There are maps in San Francisco you can now download to show you where the piles of heroin needles and poop are so you avoid those. And it's not like it's in poor neighborhoods, and that's part of what is missed here. In Fort Worth and in Jacksonville, just like in most places, you know there are neighborhoods you should avoid. In San Francisco, it's the whole city. It's the whole city. It's not a good setup. And the voters have rebelled. But when the loudest voices within the Democratic Party are the people like Paul Waldman saying, actually, it's a false narrative funded by the Republicans the media's bought into, well, they're not going to change. They're going to look at San Francisco and Los Angeles and say, oh, the Republicans just control the media. Really, that's what they're saying. It's the Republicans pushing a false narrative. In New York Times? On MSNBC? Really? That's where they're going. And Los Angeles and the San Francisco voters... They've had enough. And in both cities, they have purged the leadership, or at least they're about to. You still got uh, you still got the general election in November, but in Chisa Budin's case, he's out. He's lost the recall. The mayor of San Francisco, who, by the way, has campaigned against Chisa Budin, will get to pick his replacement. There are a lot of options out there. If you're a self-starter and you want to invest on your own, it can be really confusing And I'm delighted to tell you about SoFi because that's who I use. And now I've got them as an advertiser. If you're a SoFi user, uh, my gosh, you get all sorts of options, great research. You get the ability to invest in stocks, EFTs, crypto, plan out your retirement. Uh, More importantly, you got people you can call on. I mean, for example, um, I can use SoFi to buy stocks and EFTs and do the deep dive research if I need to and get complimentary financial planners ready to help answer questions. Uh, You can too, whether you're stuck on where to start or need help deciding what to do next. You can even save for retirement with traditional Roth and SEP IRAs. They have so many options. If you're into crypto, You can also explore crypto. They've got 30 available coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, Dogecoin, and so much more. But more importantly, they've got the number one ranked automated investment tool, their robo-advisor. 
It takes the stress out of building and managing a diversified portfolio without having to pay a bunch of experts to do it. I really like SoFi. Y'all, I've tried, you name it, and I probably tried it. And I settled on SoFi and think you will like it as well. Cut through the jargon, make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SoFi.com slash Eric to learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open an account. That's SOFI.com slash Eric. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities LLC, member FINRA SIPC. Hi there, uh, it's Eric Erickson here. Uh, I'm not going to worry about the phone number now for, well, I'll remind you of that here in a minute. Um, there's more news that's just come out from the Washington Post. The man who was arrested outside Brett Kavanaugh's home, he was on uh, the neighboring street of Kavanaugh's house, uh, did have a gun and burglary tools. He told police he admitted he intended to break into Brett Kavanaugh's house and murder him and his family uh, because of the pending Supreme Court decision in Dobbs versus Jackson's women's health. Uh, what did they think was going to happen? What did they think was going to happen uh, if uh, Stephen Miller, who writes his red stees on, on social media, if it was a red hat with a gun and knife arrested outside Sotomayor's residence, it would be the only thing on several news stations. And, and Nancy Pelosi would be having the National Guard putting the fence back up around the Capitol. Uh, it's true. It's true. Uh, but because it's Brett Kavanaugh. And because it is possibly the end of Roe v. Wade, they're going to minimize it. Just look at the situation in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Got an affiliate there, KRMG. Man was in in terrible pain after his back uh, surgery. He went out, he bought a gun, showed up at the hospital, killed four people. Turns out he was black. You haven't heard as much about that story, have you? Or the shooter in the New York subway who was black, who it turns out uh, was charged with a misdemeanor when he should have been charged with a felony that would have prevented him from buying the gun. Uh, that story got buried very quickly. Uh, but when it's a white shooter, my goodness, the media obsesses about it. But when it's a pro-abortion guy who's trying to take out Brett Kavanaugh, nope, they'll move on. I mean, y'all, I saw this when I was in the news. Uh, when um, when the, the guy, Jared Lochner, tried to kill Gabby Giffords, in Arizona, it was a week-and-a-half-plus story on CNN, and I was the guy having to defend Sarah Palin in her mail piece that said she was going to target Gabby Gifford's district, language used by everyone in politics. And then when James Hodgkinson attempted the mass assassination of Republican members of Congress, nothing. They moved on as quickly as they could. It was off the front page of the New York Times within three days. I know. I looked. They will move on from this in a way they would not if it was a uh, red-hatted, MAGA-hatted conservative going after a progressive. It's just the reality. Now, we got other stuff I want to talk about. In particular, there is a story out of Iowa, uh, Dubuque County. Dubuque County has been a county that has not voted Republican since Eisenhower and has flipped. It voted for Trump in 2016 by 1%. In 2020, the margin increased for Trump. And it looks like it's going to increase even now. The Iowan Democrats put forward two candidates last night at a primary. The one that all the, the national Democrats rallied around lost to a guy who wants to appeal to moderates. 
and he's not expected to win against Chuck Grassley for the Senate. The tide is turning against Democrats in this country at a time. They've told everyone demography was destiny and they were going to win, and it doesn't look that way. But before then, I got to step away. So if you're just tuning in, about 20 minutes before the show, I managed to cut off part of my thumb on a mandolin. I was slicing onions fast. My thumb slipped, took off my thumb. Um, I've got it bandaged, but the bleeding hasn't quite stopped. So I got to go to the doctor. They're going to take care of me, and then I'm coming back. I uh, don't plan on being gone the entire time. I've got too much stuff to talk about, I, and I needed to start the show. They couldn't get in; they couldn't get me until after twelve thirty anyway. So I figured I could hang out with you guys. It hurts extraordinarily badly, though, um, and it's also I've got blood all over my hand. So I'm going to get that taken care of. Y'all are going to hear. I don't know what we're going to play, but then I'm going to come back, and we got to talk about this Dubuque, Iowa story because it is. Uh, amazing the despair the Democrats are running into at this point when they realize that blue-collar voters and Hispanic and black voters are drifting towards the GOP. I'm back. Welcome. (laughs) It's Eric Erickson here. I am back from the dock. I am bandaged up, and it took a little while to stop the bleeding, but I'm here. Uh, For those of you who weren't here earlier, just before the show, I was prepping onion rings and managed to slice off part of my thumb. Uh, (laughs) right before the show so i did the first 30 minutes and then had to go um had to go to the doctor there was nothing to sew back i mean it was complete like cut off the side of my thumb um so um they've got me bandaged up though i'm on blood thinner it was a little messy but now we got to get to the story i i've been i had to get back because i had to talk about the story uh I, i've been been really really desperate to talk about the story since i saw it uh late yesterday in the atlantic because you got to understand what's coming. Uh, we we start, of course, with uh, the the voter revolt in California. It happened at a school board in San Francisco among progressive voters who thought the school board had gone too far progressive. Now the progressive voters of San Francisco have thrown out the DA in San Francisco for being too progressive. Uh, the progressives of Los Angeles are sending Rick Caruso in prime position into a runoff with uh, progressive Karen Bass, a darling of MSNBC. And now there is what I think is the must-read of the day. If you subscribe to my show notes, you will see this, excuse me, this story. And it is, I think, the most important story of the day. It is by Elaine Godfrey. And the headline is, Are Iowa's Democratic Days Gone for Good? And I got I to gotta start the story here. I'm going to read you the first couple of paragraphs, then we got to talk about this. Megan Simpson was three years old when her family strapped her in a stroller and took her door knocking for the first time. She was in elementary school when she began stuffing mailers for Get Out the Vote campaigns. Every election day during the 90s and 2000s, Megan and her five brothers and sisters stayed home from school at the house, was transformed into a staging area for the precinct. Her parents would blast Bachman-Turner overdrives taking care of business, and their living room would fill up with volunteers and stacks of walk packets. In Dubuque County, full of Irish and German Catholics and dotted with manufacturing plants, Democrats outnumbered Republicans by the thousands. 
There were blue-collar people, most of them white, who voted for politicians allied with unions. The county hadn't backed a Republican presidential candidate since Dwight Eisenhower in 1956. It was the seat of Democratic politics in Northeast Iowa. Maybe the strongest concentration of Democrats in the entire state. And the Simpsons were its first family. The Simpsons had a passion for politics and a family history of state and local political involvement that stretched back decades. The Klan was a political machine. Greg Simpson, Megan's father, told me, led by their parents or sometimes alone, the kids would trek around town showing up on people's porches to talk about health care and register them to vote. They marched and toddled in parades for Iowa candidates such as Tom Harkin, Tom Vilsack, and their own aunt and uncle, the well-known state lawmakers Pam and Tom uh, Jokum. Whoever the Simpsons were working for was who people in town wanted to be behind, Kelly Simpson, Megan's mother told me. John Kerry doted on Megan's sister, little Maddie Simpson, letting her ride along on his Northeast Iowa bus tour in 2004 when she was five. A few years later, Michelle Obama told a group of supporters she hoped Sasha and Malia would turn out as well as the Simpson girls. In 2007, Megan was an organizer on Barack Obama's Iowa caucus campaign. She spent her days driving through town and out to the country's rural areas, trying to persuade thousands of white people to elect the country's first black president. When Obama won the caucuses and later swept the county and the state, the Simpson family was thrilled, but they weren't surprised. Dubuque County always chose Democrats. That was true until 2016. On the eve of the November 8th election, Megan and her siblings gathered at Happy's Place, a local Democratic bar, to watch the results roll in. When they realized what was about to happen, Megan's sisters began to cry. At home, Greg poured himself a glass of bourbon. By morning, Donald Trump had become the first Republican presidential candidate to win Dubuque County in Greg's lifetime. Trump had beaten Hillary Clinton by roughly one percentage point in the county, but the swing away from the Democrats was enormous. Obama had won by 15 points just four years earlier. Dubuque was one of 206 U.S. counties that pivoted hard and fast from Obama to Trump and one of 31 in Iowa. At Happy's, it wasn't a happy place. Kelly was sick to her stomach. I felt like I had lost a connection with Dubuque, she told me. I felt like, who are the people living in this town? Four years later, Trump won Dubuque County again, this time by three points, even as he lost to Joe Biden nationally. The Simpson family faced a devastating reality. A Democrat was headed to the White House, but a Republican had won their home turf by an even bigger margin than before. After 60 years... Voters in Dubuque County seem finished with Democrats. Nationwide, the trends are the same. Working-class voters without a college degree are voting more in line with Republicans, while Democrats make inroads among more educated voters. The political winds that used to propel the Simpsons forward in each election are now blowing hard against them. This really is your must-read. The story goes on and on and on and on and on, and it is just a devastating look at how the Democrats have lost touch. And, of course, they throw through all sorts of canards uh, about uh, racial politics and the like. Um, 
The Simpson family, I'll, I'll lead you with the last paragraph now. The Simpson family is now scattered across the country. Greg and Kelly are divorced. Kelly moved to Wisconsin for a job. Greg still lives in Dubuque, but he's less active in the Democratic Party than he used to be. Hannah and Allison have moved to Jackson County, Iowa. Megan is in Montana watching from a distance as her home state moves away from the Democrats. Sometimes she can't help but feel defeated. The feeling hits hardest when she's driving through Dubuque, remembering all the Central County meetings and door knocking with her sisters. It's difficult to ignore the sinking feeling that people here aren't on her side anymore. It's possible, right? That's what the trend looks like. First of all, I, I got to say it's it's sad. Um, it, it, it's sad that there's there's this breakup of this family. You've got five kids. One, two, three, four, five, six. You got the mom and the dad. Their life revolved around politics. Now the mom and the dad are divorced. They poured their passion, not into church, not into their community, but into their party. And the party is now collapsing, like the marriage. It's sad. I, you know, I mean, you guys, I, I've been active in, in the Republican Party for a long time. I was an elected official. I was an elected Republican. I've never dragged my family into my passion for politics. Now, I know people who do, and there's nothing wrong with getting your kids active in politics. But but being that absorbed as a family in politics, I don't think it's deeply healthy because politics is supposed to be, as the founders intended it, at the periphery of American life. I was talking to a guy at my office yesterday. He said he remembered on January 6, 2021, I was on radio talking um, and had to be on TV that night on CNN to talk about what happened. And one of the things I said was, whether you like it or not, on January 6th, I said this, whether you like it or not, Joe Biden is the president-elect of the United States. And he's not just the president-elect of the United States. He's your president-elect. He's going to be our president. Whether you wanted to be your president or not, he's going to be your president. You may not like him. You may not have voted for him, but he will be your president. And there's not going to be a lot that profoundly changes in the country. And by the way, that's true. And I get hate mail from people. They're, they're typically, almost always, it's uh, highly politically active women above the age of 50 who are the ones who send me the hate mail. And yet, I'm right. The world did not profoundly change for Democrats when Donald Trump became president, other than they got a tax cut. The world has not profoundly changed for all of us, other than the economy's going to the crapper with Joe Biden. That has been a change. But policy-wise, politically, the policies have not fundamentally changed. And yet uh, you get people who pour their lives and bring their whole families into a political cause. And it becomes their religion. And for a lot of people on both sides, politics has become a religion. And it's, it's not healthy. It's just simply not healthy for people to be so absorbed into politics like that. An entire family involved in politics. But now look what happened. Dubuque County has voted Democrat for 60 years they voted Democrat. I mean, it was presumed that county would stay Democrat until it didn't. It began to shift. 
subtly at first, and then more so. It's like, what was it, Ernest Hemingway in, in The Sun Also Rises, the line of how did the guy go bankrupt uh, slowly at first and then all of a sudden? How did Dubuque County become Republican? Well, slowly at first and then all of a sudden. Democrats have been telling themselves for years and years and years that uh, they were on the verge of a permanent Democratic majority. Now, anyone who's a student of American history should know there is no such thing as permanence in politics. The pendulum always swings. The pendulum always will swing. The pendulum swings back and forth. Today, it is the Democrats who are facing a bloodbath at the voting booth. Uh, Tomorrow, it'll be the Republicans. It was the Republicans in 2018. The pendulum swings. In fact, both sides now, the existential crises of both parties now, if you listen to the periphery of the conversations on social media, uh, they're, they're both kind of fixated on how can we lock the pendulum in place. The only way to do it is to get rid of our system. It's why the Democrats are so insistent on getting rid of the Senate right now. It's why the Republicans are so insistent on ignoring the rules they don't like. Because... They've got a fix in place for permanence, and there's no such thing as permanence in American politics. But here in Dubuque County, they didn't really talk about why. They talked about racial animus, some that, that has a lot to do with it. Is Of course, that's the way the Democrats explain it. Except that doesn't explain Hispanic and black voters also moving to the GOP. Now, let's go to a completely separate story, and let me weave these stories together. I'm a professional. I can do this, and I'm on a painkiller right now. <laughs> uh, not real. I'm not actually. My my hand is killing me right now. Um, they said there's really nothing they could give me. Um, I was like, can you just like inject lidocaine or something so I don't feel it? Nope, didn't do it. But two separate stories. The protester who showed up at Brett Kavanaugh's house to kill him. Um. Democratic group is out today, a progressive activist group is out today saying essentially um, Kavanaugh got what he deserved. They're angry, they're bitter, they're partisan, they're mad. And there's this story out of Iowa, completely separate, the, 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 the loss of Iowa. The reality, however, is that these stories are kind of alike. These people have made politics their passion and they presume that inevitability of outcome and when that inevitability changes, they get angry. They get despondent. But the pendulum always swings in American politics, and it may take a lot of time. The Democrats built up this entire idea that demographically they would have destiny before them. And in fact, as the demographics in the country have changed, it's actually hurt the Democrats, not the Republicans. Demography is not destiny unless you want it to be. What is destiny in this country is that there's no such thing as permanence. And the sooner both sides learn that, the better off mentally they will all be. Now, some of you are struggling right now because of the economy and, and mentally and, and worried and, and hung up on this stuff. And I got to tell you, uh, if that's the case with you, you probably need to reach out to my friends at Goldco and see if they can give you some just just even relief, if, if you will, in your mind for what's going on with your 401k with, with the stock market. I've, I've never recommended precious metals before. But we haven't been in this sort of economy before, and now suddenly we're, well, at least not since Jimmy Carter, now we are. we got 40-year high inflation, interest rate hikes, gas prices the way they are. 
you should reach out to Goldco if you're interested in considering precious metals to kind of level out the ebbs and flows of your portfolio. They might be a good fit for you. You can call them at 855-904-5933. At least you'll get a free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. So call Goldco. See if you qualify for their special offer and also... See if they can help you. See if they're a good fit for you. See if they can help you with the ebbs and flows of the economic turmoil we're going through as a nation right now. Maybe they can. What you do is you call them at 855-904-5933. Or if you just text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, I'll send you Gold Coast phone number. That's ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, text it to the number 33777. I will send you Gold Coast toll-free number. You can call them, tell them I sent you. See if they're a good fit for you. Just just explore precious metals as part of your portfolio. Certainly could probably ease some of the ebbs and flows you're seeing right now in the stock market. There are a lot of options out there. If you're a self-starter and you want to invest on your own, it can be really confusing. And I'm delighted to tell you about SoFi because that's who I use. And now I've got them as an advertiser. If you're a SoFi user, uh, my gosh, you get all sorts of options, great research. You get the ability to invest in stocks, EFTs, crypto, plan out your retirement. Uh, more importantly, you got people you can call on. I mean, for example, um, I can use SoFi to buy stocks and EFTs and do the deep dive research if I need to and get complimentary financial planners ready to help answer questions. Uh, you can too, whether you're stuck on where to start or need help deciding what to do next. You can even save for retirement with traditional Roth and SEP IRAs. They have so many options. If you're into crypto, you can also explore crypto. They've got 30 available coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, Dogecoin, and so much more. But more importantly, they've got the number one ranked automated investment tool, their robo-advisor. It takes the stress out of building and managing a diversified portfolio without having to pay a bunch of experts to do it. I really like SoFi. Y'all, I've tried, you name it, and I probably tried it. And I settled on SoFi and think you will like it as well. Cut through the jargon, make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SoFi.com slash Eric to learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open an account. That's SOFI.com slash Eric. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA Sipic. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. So, you know, I'm supposed to do TV tonight, and I can't fit a dress shirt over this thing. I I, I don't know. How do you even, like, take a – I guess I can't take a shower. Oh, my gosh. Oh, well. All right. Uh, we we got to move on. We, we, got, we got other stuff happening out there today. Uh, the phone number here is 877-973-7425. If you would like to call in and be a part of the program, you are more than welcome to. Now, we got to move on to the other stories. We're continuing to follow the development of the Supreme Court situation and also of the decisions from the Supreme Court. There are a lot of Supreme Court uh, decisions that are coming down. I mentioned this the other day. And if you subscribe to the show notes email, you would have seen that the New York Times actually has a pretty big profile of the big ones. Um, we've got, uh, we got the abortion case coming. We've also got two religious liberty cases coming. One of those religious liberty cases is about, uh, whether or not a coach can pray. If he goes to, a, if he works for a public school, can he pray? 
This is the case uh, involving the high school football coach near Seattle. He lost his job after praying on the 50-yard line at the end of his team's game. He argued that doing so was a matter of religious freedom. The school district contended he was essentially pressuring team members into participating despite a lack of evidence. One kid felt pressured but admitted that no one actually pressured him. That's a problem. Um, the, the, The other one, though, is a case in Maine whether or not rural residents who live far away from public schools can attend religious private schools. Now, this is interesting. So uh, they're in a rural part of Maine, and there aren't any public schools. So what the state does in in those rural parts of Maine, they give taxpayers uh, tax credits and, and vouchers to be able to pay the cost of private school, but they will not allow the parents to use that money for religious schools, only secular, um, secular private schools. I suspect we're going to see them side with Christian parents there. Um, it's those are some of the big cases. There's also West Virginia versus EPA, uh, and that's a climate change case on whether or not EPA can enact regulations that apply to power plants, multiple power plants, instead of individually regulating each one. Uh, Now I'm reading from the New York Times here. The broader area of law is administrative law. It's been a top priority of the Federalist Society. Federalist Society members often argue that government agencies should not be permitted to impose regulations Congress has not specifically enacted. Now, that's kind of a misstatement, um, obviously, from the New York Times. What they actually mean is that um, EPA regulators should not be able to regulate in areas that Congress has not specifically allowed them to regulate. And I think the Supreme Court's going to go on a conservative roll here. It's going to be good. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. So I, I had to go to the doctor this morning. It's just just standard routine appointment. But can I just ask a question for those of you in the medical community? They emailed me all the forms online. I went to a website I put in all the information. I sent them copies of my insurance card. I did all that in advance. And then they sent me in the mail a paper packet, and I had to fill out all the paperwork. And if I didn't fill out the paperwork and give them the paperwork, I could have gone to the appointment. But I answered all those questions on a website for them. Why the heck do you have to do that? Why do you have to do it paper anyway? And, And you should know, I have terrible handwriting. I have genuinely terrible handwriting and they want me to fill out these forms i filled them out online and yet i had to redo it all when i got there well actually they sent it to me in advance and i had to type everything or handwrite everything it just makes no sense to me in any event we'll move on i want to play you some audio since charlie took the time to cut it up before i cut my finger off uh, um i want to play you some audio couple of things this flashback on joe biden and who to blame on gas prices it is well over three dollars a gallon in most of our uh, in most of our constituencies and uh um and we're paying uh that money in my view because we lack an energy policy that was joe biden during trump's administration that was joe biden during trump's administration blaming the lack of of an energy policy. And now, well, here comes Secretary Granholm. 
Have we seen any sign of more production? It's been tough getting the Saudis to move, and we've got tense relations there. We're not doing well with Mexico either. They're still in, in involved with Russia and OPEC+. Plus. So our foreign policy is still you know, a work in progress, let's say, and a lot of difficulty. What about the domestic suppliers? And what about drilling yeah, on some of the lands they already have? Yes, it's a great question. And yes, they are. Um, you know, the president in his first year in office gave out more drilling permits for oil and gas producers than even the last administration did in either the first, second or third year. So they've got a lot of uh, a lot of permits. Uh, so she's blaming the oil companies for not doing enough. And then here's Secretary of Commerce Raimondo. What is actually still on the table, though, to bring gas prices down at this point? Because the president has said and made very clear that there's not much left that he can do. Unfortunately, that is the brutal reality. Uh, you know, this is in large part caused by Putin's aggression. You know, since Putin moved troops to the border of Ukraine, gas prices have gone up over $1.40 a gallon. And the president is asking for Congress and others for potential ideas. But as you say, the reality is uh, that there isn't very much more to be done. Don't you love that line? That That's the line that they've hit on now, Secretary Janet Yellen. With respect to energy, the uh, administration has done everything that they can to bring down energy costs, for example, through um, an historic release um, of a million barrels a day from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and um, energy prices, gas prices, while very high, have risen a lot, they would be higher without that. But um, Putin's war in Ukraine is having impacts on energy and food prices globally. So it's Putin's blame, and there's nothing else they can do. One last soundbite here. One last is the new White House press secretary, who is one of the worst press secretaries I think I've seen since Scott McClellan. We understand that people are feeling feeling this. They are feeling uh, the increase of prices, uh, which with food in particular right now and gas. That is that is something that we understand. What we're trying to say, what I'm trying to say to you, is that the economy is in a better place than it has been historically. And so we feel here at this administration and other experts as well is that we feel that we are in a good position to take on inflation. We are in a good position to really start. Uh, really working on uh, lowering prices. We leave that piece to the Federal Reserve. Uh, they have the monetary policies uh, to deal with the best, to have the best tools to make sure that we bring down inflation. That's the, that's the pain that the American family is feeling. And so that's what we're saying. We're trying to, what we're saying is that we were in a different place a year ago, and now we are in a much better place economically, but there's still work to do, and we understand that. Aha! You got that? Where there, there's work to do, but we're in a better place. That that's that's now the spin here from this White House, y'all. We got we got a lot of problems, and one of the big problems here is that there is something this White House could do to lower gas prices. And and I need to put this in perspective. You, you got to understand this. You fundamentally, you've got to understand this. There is something this White House could do to lower gas prices. 
And if you lower gas prices, you're going to lower all the prices. You're going to beat inflation without sending us into a recession if you can lower gas prices. Because the majority of the inflation that this country is seeing right now is because of high energy prices. Think about it. Just just think about it. It costs more for a farmer to fill up his tractor to plow his land and to harvest his crop. That goes into the price of the crop. That increase in the price of the crop for the corn goes into the increase of the price of the beef that you're seeing. In addition, it costs more to transport the cow. So that cost goes up. That cost goes up along with the energy production needed at the harvesters and, and the, the butchers, the slaughterhouses. And then there's the transport cost to the grocery store that's got to be factored in. You pay all of those costs. The companies don't pay those costs. You pay those costs. It's factored into the price that you pay, plus some level of profit for the company. So as energy prices have gone up, all prices have had to go up. You lower energy prices, you begin to deal with the costs of energy that is affecting the price of products, and you bring those costs back down, or you bring those prices back down. There's one thing the Biden administration could do, and you've heard Secretary Granholm, Secretary Raimondo of Commerce, Granholm of Energy, Yellen of Trend of, of the Treasury Secretary, Treasury Department. It's They say there's nothing less he can do. He, he's done everything. No, 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 no. There's something he can do. Drill more. Drill more. Produce more oil. Produce more oil, it'll lower the price. Even the expectation of producing more oil will lower the price. How do I know happened during George Bush's administration? George Bush announced uh, during extremely high gas prices that he was going to expand production out of the Gulf of Mexico. The next day, the price of a barrel of oil went down. Even though it was going to be a year before the oil could be extracted, the price of a barrel of oil began to go down because it's a futures market. It's a futures market. The price of a barrel of oil today is set based on expectations for the future. So if you are expected to produce more oil in the future, the price of the barrel of oil is going to go down today based on the expectation of future supply. They could do this but they won't. Dogmatically, they will not. They're going to blame the oil and gas companies. Now, to be fair and intellectually honest, there is a more complicated side to this you do need to understand. We also have problems in the supply chain with producing steel. And the oil companies need steel for the, for the tubes, the shafts, the pipes, the rigs, and they're having trouble. So you got to deal with that problem. You do, you do. But they're also more than that having problems with regulations. Go back to Secretary Granholm. She says that there is a um, a, a glut or, or there there's there's a, a an oversupply of leases that are unused. That the the oil companies they're not using those leases. They're not, but they're not using those leases in one part for maintenance issues related to the steel shortage, but also even if they wanted to use the leases, they still have to get regulatory approval. They have the lease that gives them permission to access land. They do not then have permission to actually drill the oil. That's something the Democrats do not like to talk about. There are separate steps along the way. One, you get the lease. 
Just because you get the lease does not give you automatic permission to begin drilling. You then have to get all the regulatory approvals to drill. And the Biden administration has slowed that down. That's the truth. It's the truth. So the oil producers aren't willing to produce more because the president is slowing down the approval process. But wait, there's more. If you were to invest in a business, let, 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 I'm going to use marijuana. I'm going to use marijuana because it is not technically legal at the federal level. At the state level, there are states that have legalized marijuana recreationally or medically. Let's focus on recreational marijuana. There are a number of states that have legalized marijuana recreationally. Now, Republican presidents, Donald Trump, Democratic presidents, Obama and Biden, have basically declared at the state level, go for it. At the federal level, we're not changing anything, but go for it. At the state level, experiment, knock yourself out, get high. What do you think investment would do in Mary? In, and by the way, they're, it's slow to invest because you can't use banks. They're trying to change the laws. You got to use other financial entities to help get a marijuana business off the ground in these states. But they know that the federal government isn't coming after them. What do you think would happen to the investment in the marijuana, legal marijuana market in the states if the federal government said, you know what, this is illegal. This is illegal under federal law. We're going to crack down now. We're going to shut you down. We're going to put you out of business. You're breaking the law. You can't sell marijuana. What do you think would happen to legal investment in the marijuana industry? The entire investment in the marijuana industry right now is premised on the federal government not cracking down, is premised on the states being able to allow this to happen because they know the feds are not going to come in and start raiding businesses, shutting them down, and taking their money. If the feds did that, what do you think would happen? The, the legal investment would shut down overnight. And you know what? You're dealing with a, a illegal narcotic. Whether you believe it should be or not, it is an illegal narcotic at the federal level. They would shut it down overnight. Legal investment would dry up. It would all go out of business. Now, let's pivot to oil and gas. It's a legal business. It is legally funded. It is stock in those companies are sold on the stock market. But you have exactly the opposite for the marijuana market. It's legal, but you have the leader of the free world declaring he intends to wipe out the industry. He intends to bankrupt it and drive it out of business. If you're an investor, where are you more likely to invest these days? Companies that sell marijuana or companies that produce oil? The stock market suggests right now still oil companies because of legalities and the ability to trade stock on the stock market and stuff, but not for too much longer if Biden keeps doing this. Joe Biden, the leader of the free world, the president of the United States, has declared war on oil and gas. If you were an investor in an oil and gas business, why would you want to put money into leases? Why would you want to put money into drilling? Why would you want to put money into oil exploration when the president of the United States, the most powerful man on the planet, is pledging to wipe you out? There are multiple reasons gas prices are high, and all of them are directly impacted by Joe Biden. Declare a truce, say you want to support the oil and gas industry, and expedite leasing 
and approval processes and get the oil to the market, you will immediately begin to lower gas prices in this country. But the Biden administration and the Democrats will refuse to do that because their solution is green energy. Their solution is getting rid of oil and gas and bringing in solar panels and wind, not nuclear, solar and wind. You're not going to power people's cars on that, and there's not enough lithium to get us all on the batteries, but that's what they're going to claim. And as a result, you're going to keep paying gas prices that are exorbitantly high, and the entirety of the Obama administration is going to tell you, yeah, there's nothing we can do because they don't want to admit there's one big thing they could do, but the environmentalists would hate it. Now, your home environment is important as well. And if your home environment has smelly odors, noxious odors, mildew, mold floating in the air, pollen and dirt, well, you can clean the air with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm is an air purifier and it's filterless. You just wipe it out on occasion. You don't have to get a subscription. You can get three of them for less than $200 by going to EdenPureDeals.com and put in the discount code ERIC3 right on the front of the website. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. On the front of the website, you'll see discount code box and you put in ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3, and you will get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. Normally, each one's over $100. You're going to get three of them for less than $200. That's an incredible deal. You're going to save $200. You're going to get free shipping. You're going to get one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement or your car, your RV. I keep one in my suitcase. When I travel, if the hotel is musty odor, I can take care of it with Eden Pure Thunderstorm. You can too. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. Get them to your house, free shipping, save $200, Get three of them. You'll be happy. They really do work. They eliminate odors, and they also clean up the air. EdenPureDeals.com, the discount code ERIC3. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. Too late to take phone calls. That's all right. I'm continuing to make my way through all the stuff Apple unveiled this week, but we're going to have these Supreme Court cases. I will look. they, They tend to come out before I get on air that at least give me time to digest them as they come out. Uh, but uh, I want to pivot and prepare you again for tomorrow night because uh, I'm sure we'll spend some time talking about it on Saturday or on Saturday, on Friday. Uh, you got the, the January 6th commission committee from the House tomorrow night. Live on TV at 8 p.m. Fox is being bullied because it's going to cover it on Fox Business. It's not actually going to cover it on Fox News. I don't care, but man, a lot of people in the media do. I've gotten an extraordinary amount of hate mail in the last 24 hours for the monologue I started my show with yesterday. And I said in that monologue, the beginning of the show yesterday, that nobody really cares. The only people who care are the hardcore partisan progressives, And people who live within 100 miles of Washington, D.C., who are pundits on television, they care greatly. Nobody else does. I've gotten extraordinary hate mail from people. And, you know, for some people, you can actually, you can figure out who these people are, and you can tell that they're people who, as I predicted, are people who are listening up in Washington. We can have a large number of listeners on the live stream, and they're they're all talking heads. They're partisan. I I, I got a, an email from a friend of mine who's in a newsroom in Washington who vehemently disagrees with me and says it's it's improper for Fox not to cover this. It's a big deal, and shame on me for saying people don't care about it. But I'm telling you, it's true. People don't care about it. 
What's so amazing here is that we've got uh, a, a, a would-be assassin shows up at the house of a Supreme Court justice. We've got protesters uh, coming after the Supreme Court justice. We've got uh, fire bombings of a pro-life pregnancy center in Buffalo, New York. And they want you to care about January 6th. They want you to care about the lawlessness of people who were unsuccessful in storming the United States Capitol and pay no attention to a man who just wanted to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh. And also, you've got left-wing activist groups excusing it. We have violence beginning to take over people on the left. And people on the left in the media are like, look look at these crazy gun owners. Look at these January 6th insurrectionists. You got to look at the whole picture, people. And part of the problem here is that the media can't bring itself to look at the violence growing on the left. It's not just in abortion. It's the environment as well. You've got increasingly more people there turning violent. I've been telling you about this. We're seeing it in real time. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.